Hello everyone and welcome to the April 1st edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News, and that's no joke. I'm Sue Honor with the Law Offices of Floyd, Skirin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. The U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments over whether big drug companies can settle patent litigation with generic rivals by making deals to keep cheaper products off the market. U.S. and state regulators say the practice costs consumers, insurers, and government billions of dollars annually. The Federal Trade Commission has dubbed the arrangements pay for delay and has fought them in court for more than a decade with mixed success. The Justice Department, the European Union, and more than two dozen U.S. state attorneys generally view the deals as illegal, but drug companies defend them as a way to avoid potentially lengthy patent litigation. In the case before the U.S. Supreme Court, Solvay Pharmaceuticals, now owned by AbbVie, sued generic drug makers Watson, Paddock Laboratories, and Parr Pharmaceutical Companies in 2003 to stop them from making cheaper generic versions of Androgel. The firm settled in 2006, reaching a deal that generic Androgel would not be marketed until 2015. The drug patent expires in 2020. The FTC alleges the generic manufacturers were each paid as much as $30 million annually for their delay agreement. But AbbVie's 2012 sales of Androgel totaled $1.2 billion. The FTC sued to stop the Androgel arrangement, arguing that it was illegal under antitrust law because the companies divided up the market. The FTC lost at the district court level and lost an appeal as well. But another appellate court has said that the deals were illegal, prompting the Supreme Court to step in. Officials say that about 40 pay-for-delay deals were made by others in 2012. That was up from 28 the previous year, despite the FTC efforts to stop them. The Supreme Court is expected to issue a decision by the end of June. Three lawsuits from former NFL players have been consolidated in federal U.S. District Court in San Francisco. The cases involve 67 former players who want to vacate a December 2012 arbitration award that requires them to withdraw their workers' comp claims in California. The players played for the Buffalo Bills, Denver Broncos, New York Giants, and the Philadelphia Eagles. California law allows professional athletes to make a continuous trauma claim in California if they have played at least one game in the state. But the arbitrator in the dispute between these players and the teams found that the players' contracts trumped California law because of provisions that required, of the contract that required players to file their cases in their home state. The plaintiffs argue that the arbitration award violates California and federal law and public policy by waiving their ability to seek workers' comp in California. The four NFL teams filed a countersuit asking the court to affirm the arbitration award. In addition to comp cases, at least 2,400 former players have sued the league over neurological and cognitive problems that they allege were caused by football-related head injuries. Most of the concussion-related cases have been consolidated into multi-district litigation in the U.S. District Court in Philadelphia. The NFL is expected to use an exclusive remedy defense in those lawsuits. And now, our fraud report. A former Oxnard police officer pleaded guilty to two counts of workers' compensation fraud and was ordered to pay $70,000 in restitution. 28-year-old Edward Aducas handed over a check during the court proceedings to cover the full amount. The Ventura County Superior Court judge set sentencings for June 13th when he faces up to four years behind bars. Aducas was placed on temporary total disability status after he told a supervisor that he hurt his back while bending over his locker and had pain and limited mobility. He received disability pay for several months. 
But investigators discovered that Aducas was playing baseball weekly in a local adult league while receiving those benefits from the city of Oxnard. Prosecutors said that while these activities were taking place, Aducas told doctors and physical therapists that he was too disabled to return to his duties as a police officer. A federal KETAM whistleblower lawsuit by former University of California professor and anesthesiologist triggered a multi-year investigation by the United States Department of Justice. This resulted in an agreement by the California Board of Regents to pay the United States $1.2 million. The False Claims Act lawsuit alleged that anesthesia was routinely administered at UCI by certified registered nurse anesthetists or residents when there was no supervisory anesthesiologist present or immediately available in violation of federal regulations. The complaint alleged that the supervisory anesthesiologist would be in a completely different building at the time and that anesthesia records would be pre-filled to make it appear that the anesthesiologist was present. The complaint also alleged that required post-operative evaluations would routinely be performed by unsupervised and or unlicensed residents in violation of federal regulations. The UCI Medical Center has come under fire in the past for similar accusations. According to a federal report, the medical center was placed under state supervision in 2008 because of the anesthesia department's inability to provide quality health care in a safe environment. Among the most serious failings federal inspectors cited was filling out reports in advance of care. In 2008, the California Medical Board accused Peter Breen, the former head of the anesthesiology department, of gross negligence and incompetence. The medical center has suffered a number of other scandals in the last 18 years. In 1995, fertility doctors were accused of stealing patients' eggs and embryos and implanting them in other women without permission. In 2005, the hospital shut its liver transplant program after federal funding was withdrawn. The action came after the Times reported that 32 people died awaiting livers even as doctors turned down organs that later were transplanted elsewhere. The federal government Department of Health and Human Services has issued a special fraud alert warning about the risk for fraud when doctors buy an ownership interest in a medical device distributorship. These entities frequently are referred to as physician-owned distributorships or PODs. A POD is any physician-owned entity that derives revenue from selling or arranging for the sale of implantable medical devices. PODs are commonly used in orthopedics. This special fraud alert would also apply when evaluating arrangements involving other types of physician-owned entities. The opportunity for a referring physician to earn a profit could constitute illegal remuneration under the federal anti-kickback statutes. Officials have repeatedly expressed concerns about arrangements that specifically select investors because they are in a position to generate substantial business for the entity. And then requiring those investors who cease practicing in the service area to divest their ownership interests and pods that exhibit these or other questionable features potentially raise concerns typically associated with kickbacks, corruption of medical judgment, overutilization, and increased costs. Federal officials do not believe that disclosure to a patient of the physician's financial interest in a pod is sufficient to address these concerns. And in regulatory news, the DWC has posted updated fact sheets for injured workers on its website. The updated fact sheets provide injured workers with answers to frequently asked questions about issues affecting their benefits and include changes mandated by Senate Bill 863. The fact sheets cover such topics as temporary disability benefits, permanent disability benefits, supplemental job displacement benefits, and medical care. They are available to employers and insurers who are required to comply with benefit notice regulations. 
The updated fact sheets are available for immediate use in both English and Spanish. A CWCI analysis of data from the Office of Self-Insured Plans says that public sector workers' compensation claims costs are near a 10-year high. The new OSIP summary provides the first snapshot of public self-insured claims experience for the 12 months ending last June. The agency compiles the data annually from reports submitted by hundreds of public self-insured entities other than the state itself, including cities and counties, local fire, school, transit, utility, and special districts, as well as joint powers authorities. The new summary shows that these employers provided workers' compensation coverage for 1.9 million California public workers whose wages and salaries totaled $96 billion for the year. CWCI compared the latest results to the prior year and found almost no change in the number of employees covered by public self-insured employers. And overall, public self-insured claim frequency held steady at 6.2 claims per 100 employees. But although claim frequency was unchanged, paid losses were within 1% of the 10-year high. The Division of Workers' Compensation Lean Filing Fee Payment System has been updated so that jet filers can pay the required filing fee and file their liens in one integrated process. Jet filers are reminded that Labor Code Section 4903.05C2 provides that liens that are filed or lodged prior to payment of the required fee are deemed invalid. All lien claimants using JetFile are now able to use the new integrated process. JetFilers who have questions about the payment of lien filing fees should consult the DWC website. And in financial news, last year, Liberty Mutual was the largest workers' compensation insurer nationwide, with about $4.2 billion in direct written premiums. The company held almost 9% of the workers' comp market for the year. Travelers was the second largest comp insurer with nearly 8% of the market or almost $4 billion in direct written premiums, while the Hartford held the third largest share with 7% of the market or nearly $3.3 billion in written premiums. American International Group held about 6% of the year's comp market with nearly $3 billion in written premiums, and Zurich Insurance Company Limited captured nearly 6% of the market with $2.8 billion in premiums. That's all for our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or iPod by searching WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Suzanne Honor Vangrove, Managing Attorney of the Lean Unit with the Law Offices of Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and drop by again next week for more news.